New on CuriosityStream, Darwin's theory of evolution, a scientific breakthrough, but 1920s Tennessee wasn't ready for it. It became the Bible versus evolution. Followed a heated trial that changed American education forever on Monkey in the Middle. And it's the country's deadliest highway. There were something like 178 accidents in a 10-year period. Don't miss the most dangerous road in America. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. To put this into context, I'm an 18-year-old girl living in New Zealand. I suffer from anxiety and shut down in stressful situations and become rather overwhelmed when I'm not sure how to deal with something. This story happened yesterday whilst I was waiting at my bus station to catch a bus home. I'd had a long day at work and my legs were in pain, and all I wanted to do was get home and watch some YouTube in bed. It was getting dark and the sun was almost completely down. As I was listening to some music in a rather deserted area of the bus station, a man considerably larger than myself sauntered up and sat down directly next to me on the bench, which I didn't think much of. To put this into perspective, I'm roughly 55 kilograms. He must have been at least 100 and could have easily overpowered me. I noticed out of the corner of my eye that this man was staring at me and began to feel a little uncomfortable, but pegged it up to him looking at my mask. It's rather nondescript and just black. I ignored this and acted busy on my phone to avoid talking. As I said, I had a long day at work. The man began to talk and I pulled out my AirPod to listen to what he was saying to me. The AirPod fell and landed on the ground to which he picked it up for me, held onto it and stared at it for a few seconds before handing it back to me. I was already getting bad vibes from this man. The conversation went something like this. Your eyes are beautiful. Did you get them from your mom or your dad? Uh, my mom, I guess. I kept my replies short to try and signify I wasn't in the mood for talking, but he continued. What bus are you catching? Where do you live? I laughed nervously and told him I didn't feel very comfortable sharing where I lived, but I told him it was farther up north. He then said, Why? It's not like I'm going to rape you. Isn't it really fancy up there? This was where I began to feel seriously uncomfortable and began to shake. He asked if I had a boyfriend, to which I said yes, and he proceeded to ask if I planned to marry him, to which I laughed and said yes. Oh, it kind of sounds like you're just rooting him. Are you sure you want to marry him? I was shocked and looked at him before telling him again, yes, I do plan to marry my partner. How old are you? I don't know what came over me, but I told him I was 21 to try and make it come across that I was old enough to stand up for myself. Are you on the pill? I'm sorry, I don't feel comfortable sharing that and don't see why you need to know that. Oh, so you use condoms instead, eh? I wanted to walk away, but I was grounded to the bench and couldn't move a muscle if I tried. I was uncomfortable and confused as to why he was asking these questions. Do you have someone waiting for you at the bus stop or are you walking home? How far do you live from the bus stop? This is the question that made everything click into place and I realized this guy has a malicious intent. He's not being friendly. This man is going to follow me home and either rape me or kidnap me. I started to really panic and started desperately looking for onlookers. A young man, possibly my age, walked out of the public bathroom last and had overheard this conversation and was looking at the predator rather skeptically. I knew then that I'd at least have someone to help if I had just asked for it. I didn't. By this point, I recalled a video from the subreddit Slash 
about a highly pregnant woman and her daughter being followed to their car in an empty car park in the dark by an older man. This lady was stressfully trying to find her keys in her purse, as this man was standing beside her daughter on the opposite side of the car, making small talk with them. He got impatient and had walked away before she'd found her keys. Someone commented on her submission saying this was a popular thing and that he was waiting for her to unlock the car so he could get in and control her via threats of her children. It occurred to me that I should skip my bus and catch another one at a later time. I did this exactly. He kept trying to ask where I live and I continued to refuse telling him where. He also continued to ask how far I live from the stop and if my partner was waiting for me. I deflected all his questions and after 40 minutes, he began to get grumpy and walked away from the station. He wasn't there to catch a bus at all, but to prey on young women at a bus stop. I caught my bus about 10 minutes after he left, and I ran home where I completely broke down and cried in the arms of my partner. This morning I was so stressed, I contemplated taking the day off work and staying in bed the rest of the day. I was petrified. This happened when I was 13. I'm a girl, and in the 8th grade, and the middle school I went to was about a 15 minute walk, so not very far. For context, my older brother and I grew up in East LA, in a small house that had a metal gate, and both the front and back doors had a black metal screen door and a wooden door. During the day, we would always leave the wooden door open and have the black metal door closed and locked, except this day. That day I came home from school and had about an hour before anyone else would be home. I was really thirsty so I rushed inside, grabbed a drink, and sat down at the kitchen table, which was about 10 feet away from the front door. I heard the metal gate open and was surprised as no one should have been coming home that early. I got up to see who it was, and I saw an older man probably in his 60s. He had short white hair and a long white beard. He was wearing an ACDC t-shirt, torn jeans and sunglasses. I remember thinking he looked a lot like Santa Claus, but dirty and creepy. He knocked on the metal screen door and asked if my parents were home. I was a dumb kid and said they weren't. He got a smile on his face and said that he collected donations for needy children. I said sorry but I didn't have any money. He said sometimes children donated old toys. I said I didn't have any old toys to donate. He insisted that I must have some toys I didn't want anymore. He was beginning to creep me out and I noticed I hadn't locked the door when I came inside. I tried to keep my cool as I slowly and very carefully locked the door. I kept him talking so he wouldn't notice. A minute or two later, he wouldn't leave, so I decided I would pretend to check for toys and then say I didn't have any so he would hopefully leave. I told him I would go check and as I turned and took a few steps down the hall, I clearly heard him yank at the door trying to open it. I didn't want him to know I had heard, so I kept walking down the hall and into a room. I didn't have a cell phone, and the only phone in the house was in the kitchen. I thought about what to do and decided to stick with my plan. After about two or three minutes, I walked out hoping he had left. No, creepy Santa man was still there. I told him sorry, but I didn't find anything. He sighed and said all right, he would check another time. He left and walked across the street. I watched from the kitchen window, peeking through the blinds as he just stood there staring at my house for about 45 minutes. My brother and a few of his friends finally came walking down the street. 
As my brother came inside and his friends kept walking down the street, the man walked around the corner and disappeared. I told my brother what happened, and he walked outside to look, but creepy Santa Man was long gone. When my mom came home, we told her what had happened, and she called the police. But they said to call back if he showed up again. Thankfully, he never showed up. This happened very recently. I'm a young woman who works late nights at a bar in a city, but I live in a rural area outside of town. It was a very slow night, so we closed early and one of the bouncers walked me to my car. I didn't particularly notice anyone following me while I was on the main roads, just a normal sprinkling of cars. I first noticed them when they turned onto one of the super small roads that leads toward the area where I live. It was strange because people rarely pull off onto that road at the same time as me, as it isn't very populated. But as soon as we were on the winding and unlit road, they began to behave strangely. They'd flash their brights at me, then ride my ass until they were practically scraping my bumper, then pull really far back. I tried speeding up and slowing down, but that didn't seem to matter. When we came to the first intersection, they turned on their signal to go right, but when I went straight, I watched them in my mirror, turn the nose of their car to the right, pause for a few seconds, and then follow me straight. This continued for a while. At the next intersection, I signaled left and waited until they did too, and then quickly turned right. And of course, they followed. I then called the cops and told them I was headed towards a gas station I knew to be open, and was the only place remotely nearby that might have people at it, since almost nothing is 24 hours right now. They said they dispatched police to meet me there, and I tried to focus on driving slowly so I didn't beat them there. When I got to the gas station, I pulled into the little turn lane which made the car pause, and then quickly step on the gas and squeal around the corner. I only really had time to glimpse the general look of the car in the driver's face. And they were alone, and very strange looking. They were incredibly pale, like albino pale, with short, equally pale hair, maybe the tiniest bit darker. They were completely androgynous, at least from I could see, and they stared at me for a second before bolting away. The police took like 20 minutes to arrive after that, typical, so I just sat in front of the gas station and watched the road for the cars with my doors locked. The police said there wasn't anything they could do. My original assumption was that it was a patron from work, but we'd had so few customers I feel like I would have recognized them. I don't even know why they would have followed me the full hour only to begin making themselves really obvious. Growing up, I lived with my emotionally and mentally abusive helicopter mom, misogynistic stepdad, and my brother. When I turned 18, my grandparents were kind enough to let me move in with them, since they lived so close to my college. This was my out, away from that clown show at home, and I was incredibly grateful. I sometimes wonder if my parents hadn't been so hard on me, if this even would have happened. But I was an adult, and I made these decisions. Luckily, I learned from them. Once I was free and had much more freedom, I naturally started to rebel a bit more while I was trying to find my way. I rebelled in everything from clothing, music, tattoos, and dating. Specifically, I wanted to date the most out there person to prove a point, I guess. If I could go back to my 18-year-old self, I would punch myself in the face for these decisions. I was on a local MySpace forum and saw James. 
I went to high school with James and we got on fine, but I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. It turns out that James had suffered some childhood trauma and went to go live with a relative about eight hours away in another state and was seemingly living a more stable life. We started messaging back and forth and I liked James a lot. He was different, quirky and edgy. I started speaking with James more and more frequently and messages became texts and somehow in the mix, it became a relationship that I regret to this day. Every day, non-stop texting and sometimes it would turn dark and James would say things to me that are forever ingrained in my head. He would often talk about his childhood trauma. He would discuss self-harm and how he enjoyed watching videos of people hurting themselves. Of course, this is a red flag and I'm unsure why I continue to stick around. After a couple of months, James came to visit me. We stayed a few days in a hotel and it seemed like a whirlwind. I truly cared about him, but looking back, I don't know if I would necessarily call it love or simply just having a good time. But at the time I was convinced that it was love and that I felt like he was the one for me. There was an instance where I had come out of the bathroom at the hotel and I remember the hotel room being in disarray. Clothes strewn everywhere and it was just a giant mess but James stood there smiling. He got down on one knee and proposed with a small, sapphire diamond ring. I said yes, but it just didn't feel real or something about it was unsettling. When I think about it, I feel nauseous. I guess it's a bit of embarrassment that still lingers. Towards the end of James's visit, we sobbed together and was unsure how we were going to make this work. What other options did I have other than to move? I withdrew from my classes and moved to his area. I remember when I told my parents. My mom was extremely upset that I never discussed this with her, or my stepdad, and I think that conversation fueled me to really stick it out and make it work. In my mind, I was an adult, and this was a huge adult decision, and I didn't need to discuss anything with anyone, and no one would tell me anything different. We lived in a small room at James's grandmother's house and never really left. He would act very strange when I mentioned wanting friends or wanting to get a job so I could leave the house or even wanting to leave the house in general. I mentioned earlier in the post that James had his quirks and would sometimes do some odd things. For example, he had become a huge insane clown posse fan during our relationship. I knew that he liked them, but not to the extent of a borderline obsession. They weren't my cup of tea, but I'm not going to tell someone what they can can't listen to, but things just got weird. James had become such a fan that he got a giant tattoo that represented his love for the insane clown posse. He started to solely listen to their music and he started to paint his face often in clown makeup. It became so much of an obsession that he would try to force me to paint my face and would get irrationally upset and would scream at me. He shoved me and tried to trap me in a closet when I told him that I just didn't want to. It was just something that set him off and I'm unsure why. As the days went by, I started to feel more and more isolated to just staying in our room in this house. It could only really leave the bedroom to eat or use the bathroom. Otherwise, we just stayed in our room. When I did get to leave the house, James had to be with me and we would just go to his other relative's house or to dinner. I had no friends, wasn't allowed to get a job, had no support system. James kept a notebook that he would journal in and would openly read some of his entries that seemed pretty mild. I shouldn't have invaded his privacy on this particular day, but I think it saved my life. James was getting ready for work and had his notebook on the bed. 
He had been acting strange, cold, towards me, and so I looked in the journal. Some of his entries mentioned how he wanted to cut me on my privates with a box cutter, and he tiptoed around the idea of me not being alive, and this was my out. My parents and I were somewhat speaking at this time, and my aunt lived a couple of hours from me. I had told everyone that I was coming home and what I had just read. My aunt packed up and started heading my way, just in case, and to make sure I could safely leave. I told James that I saw what he wrote and that I was going to go back home and that this relationship isn't going to work out. James fell to his knees in tears, begging me not to leave, saying that he loved me, but that all quickly changed into anger, where he wanted to lock me in the closet so I couldn't leave. Lucky for me, he had to go to work before he could really do anything. And while he was gone, I packed up my things while listening to his grandma scream at me, and I left. Unfortunately, the story doesn't end here. A few months had gone by, and James and I became friends, and I had come to visit him, which was the last visit. Nothing bad happened, it wasn't a bad time or anything, but I just knew that I had to cut him out. Years had gone by after that visit. I would say maybe three to four years, and I had heard through mutual friends that James had gotten married. I had moved across the country for school to just explore a new area and have the freedom I should have gotten on the first go without being so crazy. James would occasionally try to speak with me on social media, and I would just not reply, or the replies would be few and far between. I'm 32 now, and recently got married. I've started to settle down, and my husband and I are trying for our first baby, which is very exciting. James hasn't been a thought in my mind over the past several years at this point, until recently. James found me on Facebook, and to be honest, I didn't think he had social media anymore. At this point, I expressed to him that we are not friends, and it's really inappropriate to keep messaging me. I said, can you please stop, and he replied, nah. Fair enough, so I blocked him. Another few months go by, and I get a Snapchat request from him, blocked. Another few months go by, and he followed me on Instagram. I kept my Instagram open because I like to post about my travels and fitness stuff and I really have nothing to hide or anything to really be private about, until he started following me. I went to block his account and noticed that this was a brand new account, no followers, and he only followed me. I have since made everything private, blocked all accounts, went to those sites like Bean Verified, and had all my information removed from those databases. I feel like I made a grave mistake as a teenager, and I was able to move on from that and wanting to live a normal life. I'm unsure why he still lurks around trying to antagonize me and be involved in my life. So James, I have you blocked these days. I hope that's a clear message that I hope we don't meet again. When I was in the 8th to 10th grade, I was extremely involved in this small building server. The average age was probably 15 to 17 and I joined a group of builders and Skyped with them every weekend for hours. We all became close fast and trusted each other enough that we followed each other on Instagram. I became particularly close with one of the builders in my friend group named Peter. Peter was in the same grade as me and we ended up texting quite a lot. I heard rumors that Peter might have a crush on me. He denied them, which I found laughable because it was the internet and brushed it off. Everything was fine for a while until something began to feel off when I talked to him. I was starting to constantly catch him telling small lies. This bothered me, so I figured it was time to distance myself from Peter and stop talking to him. Cut to a few months later of no contact, and Peter out of the blue texts me that he's going to be possibly transferring to my high school so he can get in-state tuition for college. P 
Peter's plan is to somehow live completely alone and support himself while in high school. My stomach drops when I read the text, and I know this feels very, very off. I try to be calm, and I tell him that his plan is crazy. I tell him that it's oddly convenient that he chose my random suburb. Peter insists that his plan will work, and it's just a coincidence that he is going to my high school. I'm trying to call Peter's bluff, and hoping he is just screwing with me, because I cut him off. Peter says he bought the plane tickets already and is going to stay in my town, and to visit some high school in the area. Fear washes over me, and I realize Peter definitely has some very unhealthy attachment to me. Peter was not bluffing. To my horror, he posts a picture on Snapchat at the airport. Peter asks to meet up while he's there, and of course I decline. Later I see on his Snapchat story that he has taken a tour of my high school. Peter is taking lots of videos and pictures, probably hoping that I can see. Luckily I am stuck at home with pneumonia. I spend the next few days on edge and afraid he was going to ring my doorbell at any moment. Luckily he was not smart enough to find out where I live, and he flies home and does not follow his plan. The baffling part was none of my old group on the Minecraft server thought he was doing anything creepy. I felt like I was going crazy for thinking this was weird. I thought my rejection for this meetup and continued no contact would be the end of it. But about two years later, I committed to my dream college. I still, stupidly, followed Peter on social media because I wanted some warning if he came into my area. Once again, Peter did. I see him posing in front of the library at my college with the caption saying, Transferring here is definitely the move. Cut to a few months later, Peter finds out that I have a boyfriend and directly contacts me for the first time in two years. He starts asking strange questions like, will he protect you? I shouldn't have answered, but for some reason I did. I finally blocked him and stopped following him on social media out of fear. He's not tried to contact me since. Definitely made some mistakes because I was young and scared and had others telling me it was not a big deal. In high school, I had a stalker. Here's the story. I'm trying to keep it concise, but there's a lot of information, for sure. I was 16 and we met on Facebook. He went to a school nearby and we decided to be up for a movie. We had a great time together and ended up dating. First time he came to my parents' house, he had an ankle monitor on for house arrest and went telling him why. Red flag number one. And since he was a minor, we couldn't find out. My parents obviously didn't allow us to hang out, so we hung out at his house around town with the YMCA camp. I was rebellious and naive. Things started to get weird when I noticed his family was pretty odd. One day we were having sex in his bedroom and I saw his father looking through the lines. I screamed and called out and his dad ran off. Stalker guy told me that his dad was just into redheads and liked to watch us, so this wasn't the first time. I went to leave and his mom was doing crack in the kitchen, so I decided it was time to break up. This is when it got bad. He started crying and told me that he's in cancer treatment and that's why he needs me. He doesn't have long to live, blah blah blah. I believed him and told him we could be friends. This is when the stalking started. He switched schools to my high school, but never went to class. He would just stand outside of my classroom looking inside until it was passing period. When I would leave class, he wouldn't address me. He would just follow about 10 to 15 feet behind me to my next period and stand outside the classroom again. I was too intimidated to say anything to him. He was six foot four and had a sick guy, so I just let it happen for weeks. 
to start to progress to where he would follow me home every day. He would get on the same bus as me, despite living across town, and walk 10 to 15 feet behind me, all the way to my house. He would stand outside, just staring out the window, until around the time my parents got home, and then he would just leave. Finally, I told him to screw off and leave me alone. I told him he could no longer be friends or acquaintances, and to forget about me. However, that escalated things way further. I started getting around 150 calls a night. Half of them were him screaming death threats and in-detail torture methods that he wanted to do to me. And the other half were him singing me love songs that he wrote in his guitar. Every time I bought his number, he seemed to just magically get a new one and leave more messages on that. I woke up one day to see that overnight, he had left me one of those dancing slash singing snowmen on my porch. He had stabbed it in the head and the knife was still sticking out. He covered it in his liquid deodorant that I had previously mentioned liking the smell of. And I noticed there was a hole where the little song recording device was. When I pressed the hand, it was not the regular Frosty the Snowman song I played. It was his voice singing yearly. I'm going to have you forever. I'm never going to let you be. I was done at this point and told my parents to contact the school. They suspended him, but he still waited at my bus stop every day and walked to my home with me. One day he ran, like he was going to tackle me. When I tensed up for the impact, he stopped and hugged me. It wasn't a regular hug. It was like he was trying to crush me. I was five foot one and about 90 pounds at the time. He ended up cracking one of my ribs. I cried and he started crying too before running off. He left me a voicemail apologizing in song. This one night is the night I'll never forget. And it's the reason we got a restraining order and my dad got a gun. I woke up one evening for no reason, just was fully awake. I wanted to go to my kitchen and get a glass of water to relax. And in the reflection on my fridge, I saw movement in my backyard. I couldn't see well because it was so dark outside, so light inside. So I went to the back slide of the glass door to get a better look. When I got closer, I was met with a silhouette of a six foot four man standing just outside the door. Stop your guy was in my backyard, under my room, at 3 a.m. He was just staring at me. I yelled and my parents got up, but he was gone by the time my dad went outside. There's a patio right outside my bedroom window that goes all the way to the ground, so it's possible he could have been on the top of the patio, looking directly into my bedroom window before. We got a restraining order granted shortly after that, and Stalker had dropped out of school. I haven't seen him since in person, but every six months-ish, he makes a new Facebook and tries to friend request me. I just block it and report it every time. Scary stuff. Y'all ever heard that myth that if you wake up in the middle of the night for no reason, there's likely something looking at you? Well, maybe it's true.